Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. You know what to do. Head on over to that website, TravelingCulturati.com. Make sure you follow us on social media and join the travel club. Oh my goodness, can you believe where we are in the year? It's the end of the year. Oh my goodness, I just cannot believe where this year has gone. And today we're talking about all things Christmas or the holidays. We're wishing you happy holidays and we're ringing in the new year. Yes, it is that time for us to think about the new year and things to come. And boy, do we have a lot to celebrate and do we have a lot to be thankful for. I think that's the most important thing is that we have a lot to be thankful for. So stay tuned because we have some great December travel ideas, tips, destinations, and in the culture report, we're talking about New Year celebrations and ringing in the new year. We also have Javon's travel minute and the culture report, but right now, let's get into a little travel news. One thing we want to talk about is TSA. Some changes that are happening in TSA that's going to go nationwide in 2023, but there are some pilot programs and testing sites that are already in place. New things that you're seeing in TSA at 16 different major airports around the U.S. And that is they're testing facial recognition for it to go nationwide in 2023. So the next time you're at the airport security. Get ready to look straight into a camera. The TSA wants to analyze your face. Yes, the Transportation Security Administration has been quietly testing controversial facial recognition technology for passenger screening at 16 major domestic airports. I saw one at Washington Dulles. I took a photo of it. I'm going to find that photo and I'm going to post it online for you. But yes, I've seen it at Washington Dulles Airport, but across the nation at 16 different airports, they are testing it. Now, TSA, of course, feels that facial recognition would improve security and also efficiency, but it is being banned by cities like San Francisco, for example. And it's also bringing an unproven tech with civil rights ramifications because some people may look different or have certain things regarding their facial structure that may different. So that's what we're talking about, these civil rights ramifications and how accurate facial recognition is. After hearing concerns from the Washington Post readers who encountered face scans while traveling, some wanted to know how TSA is using the technology and what are our rights. Everyone wants safety, But is it really safer? And what is the real cost? So the TSA program is formally known as CAT2 or Credential Authentication Technology with Camera. And Albert Fox Kahn, the founder of the Surveillance Technology Oversight Project or STOP, is one of the biggest critics of facial recognition. So what to know about TSA's facial recognition technology? As I said, it was quietly rolled out over 16 airports across the country. A TSA facial recognition works. So basically what'll happen is you'll step up to the travel document checker kiosk, stick in your ID into the machine, then look into a camera for up to five seconds and the machine compares your live photo to one it sees on your ID. They call this a one-to-one verification system comparing one face to one ID. Even though the software is judging if you're an imposter, there's still a human agent there that will make the final call. That is at least for now, before it is rolled out nationwide 
in 2023. And I'm sure even then they're going to have to get some bugs and some kinks out. I know that I also encountered facial recognition with global entry. So with my global entry, you no longer need to even show your passport. It's all based on facial recognition and voila, your name and your travel data and passport information appears. The machine then prints out receipt for you to present to the customs agent when you exit the airport. So as I said, it's being rolled out not only at TSA, but Global Entry is doing this as well. So one of the questions is how accurate is it? And TSA says it's been better at verifying IDs than the manual process, and that this technology is definitely a security enhancement. This is according to TSA, also stating we are so far very satisfied with the performance of the machine's ability to conduct facial recognition accurately. Now, as I mentioned before, if you're talking about facial recognition and one-to-one, what if people don't look like their driver's license? Sometimes years pass, sometimes we gain weight or lose weight or color our hair or cut our hair, grow out our gray. I'm saying that for a friend. Well, minor variations in appearance over time, like changing your hairstyle, have negligible negative impact on identity verification. This is according to TSA. But TSA hasn't actually released hard data about how often its system falsely identifies people through inaccurate or through incorrect positive or negative matches. Some of that might come to light next year when the TSA has to make its case to the Department of Homeland Security to convert airports all over the United States into facial recognition systems. Big question people ask is what about privacy? Well, when some people hear about governments using facial recognition, they rightly picture the situation in China where broad use of technology makes it very difficult for citizens to evade surveillance. So does going through airport security now mean Homeland Security has a face ID that can identify you at a protest, for example? Well, TSA says it doesn't use facial recognition for law enforcement purposes. It also says it minimizes holding on to your face data. So it isn't using the scan to build out to new national databases of face IDs. Uh, This is what they're saying. So that's yet to be proven. So Jason Lim, the director who currently runs the program, says that scanning and match is made and immediately overwritten at the travel document checker podium. We keep neither the live photo nor the photo of the ID. But the TSA did acknowledge there are cases in which it holds on to the data for up to 24 months. So its science and technology office can evaluate the system's effectiveness. Yes. So let's see how this all pans out. So what about your rights? Do you have to participate? And the answer is no. You can opt out and request a more traditional screening prior to the face recognition. And if you want to know which airports are the 16 that are currently using the CAT, it's Hartsville, Jackson, Atlanta International Airport, Boston, Logan, Baltimore, Washington International, Reagan Airport in Washington, D.C., Denver International Airport, Dallas, Fort Worth International Airport, Detroit, Metropolitan Wayne County Airport, Gulfport Biloxi International, Jackson Medgar Wiley Evers, Harry Reid International Airport in Las Vegas, Los Angeles International Airport, Orlando International Airport, Miami International Airport, Phoenix Sky Harbor, San Jose International, and Salt Lake City International. So now let's talk a little bit more about TSA and what we can expect from the future. One of the things I think that's on the top of all of our list is, will we have to continue to use these small toiletries in our carry-on luggage, these three-ounce bottles, or will we be able to supersize it anytime soon? And the answer to that question is no. Now, remember, the Department of Homeland Security Agency was established in response to the 9-11 terrorist attacks. 
and subsequent threats to air travelers' safety, like the shoe bomber in 2001 and in 2006, the attempt to detonate liquid explosives hidden in soda bottles. These were the reasons that we now have to take off our shoes and also why we have to have small size or as we call them fun size (laughs) toiletries. Can you believe it is now 21 years? So TSA, Transportation Security Administration, has turned 21. But yeah, like I said, no supersized toiletries are in our near future. However, there are 3D or three-dimensional machines that are popping up at different airports. And I have seen this at Dulles Airport as well. This is called the computed tomography x-ray system. And because it takes more of a 3D image, some things we won't have to continue to take out of our bag, like those toiletries. So while we still have to stick to the fun size, we don't always or not going to have to continue to take them out, along with maybe not having to take out our laptops. Now, those of us with TSA PreCheck, we know what this feels like that you don't have to take everything out of your bags you can just leave it all in and put it on the belt but for those who don't have TSA pre-check soon you will not have to do that either because of this 3D technology so it'll make things a lot smoother a lot quicker if we don't all have to do this and disrobe now what about taking off your coat and maybe not your shoes especially as the season is approaching where we are traveling with boots and coats and all of these things. The machine cannot penetrate through your coat to see the reflection of your skin. So you will have to take coats off continuously. And for footwear, the wide range of shoe materials means that it's a bust for scanning machines and therefore We still have to take our shoes off for quite some time. You know, even with TSA PreCheck, if your shoes or if you're wearing boots, for example, I have a pair that have little buckles on them. I always have to take them off, even with TSA PreCheck, because I know they're just going to set the machine off. So those things will be unchanged in the near future. But to accommodate the diversity of shoes, the agency has launched a pilot program testing machines that inspect the clothing item from the ground up. Basically, you are stepping into or on a scanner one way to avoid removing your shoes so that if a TSA bomb sniffing dog inspects you in a line and moves on, a disinterested whiff means that you have passed the test and you can leave your shoes on. So these are some things that we can certainly look out for the future to make our lives a bit easier as we are going through TSA or the security lane. But I still implore you to get the TSA pre-check. It makes your life a whole lot easier. Lots of things changing in the travel industry through TSA and Airbnb, background checks, and new technology. So where will we go and what do we have to look forward to in 2023? Well, that's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, we'll have Javon's Travel Minute and some December and holiday travel tips and destinations. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com and join the Travel Club. Yes, I want you to travel with and we're going to some fantastic and exciting places. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. When you're traveling internationally and you make purchases, you want to look out for VAT or V-A-T, Value Added Tax. So when you're paying this tax, which is built in to the price of your purchase when you're traveling abroad, 
you can file for or request a VAT refund. So that is the refund of the tax that you've already paid because you are an international traveler and shouldn't have to pay the local tax. Now, this tax can be as much as 20% in some cases, which is a great savings, especially if you're buying some high-end items. There are some restrictions that will apply. For example, some countries may say that your receipts have to total a minimum amount, or they may have to total a minimum amount per shop. And then also the shop itself must have the VAT ID and or registration and give you that paperwork. Also, when you are departing, you must go to the VAT kiosk or the VAT counter to receive your refund. You'll have to show your receipts and you'll have to show your purchases. That means you have to do this before you check in if you plan on putting those items into your checked bag because you may have to show the items that you purchased while there. Something else you can do is sign up for Global Blue. Now, Global Blue is a global VAT refund service. So when you register with your passport and information and all of those things, and your name is in the system and it makes it that much easier for you to obtain a refund, both at the store where you can opt to either get it back on your credit card or you can get a cash receipt. But when you take care of this and fill out the form online, again, it's going to Global Blue. You can even track your refund, but it makes it a lot simpler because all you have to do is scan your passport, your name will come up, and it'll identify the purchases that you made, or you'll scan your receipt that you get from the merchant that you purchased your item from. But again, get that receipt, sign up for Global Blue, and get your refund of the taxes that you would have paid otherwise. This is Javon and that was your Travel Minute. Now this year, nearly three years since the start of the pandemic, the impact of COVID-19 on travel plans have certainly waned. And for majority of holiday travelers, COVID-19 will not impact their travel plans this year. 27% of travelers did cancel their holiday travel plans because of pandemic fears this year, which is far less than did in 2021. Now, while the pandemic is not impacting the majority of consumers and their holiday travel plans, 46% of consumers says that inflation is impacting their holiday travel plans. 34% of consumers plan to stay home because of inflation and the high costs of travel. 50% of consumers plan to seek promotions, deals, and rewards. December travelers are slightly more likely to travel domestically and internationally. 14% of December holiday travelers plan to travel internationally. Nearly half of travelers plan to stay local. That's 47% plan to stay local. Travel by car was the top choice at 50% of travelers. And to give you a breakdown, 50% by car, 40% by plane, 6% by train, 4% by bus, and 1% by other. Don't know what that other is. Maybe they're walking. (laughs) I don't know. But over half of December travelers plan to travel in small groups of no more than two others. And 61% of December travelers plan to travel either alone or with one or two others, nearly 18%. That was lower than travelers during the Thanksgiving holiday. Whether you're going home to visit family, staying home, and maybe welcoming family, getting away for or getting away from the holidays, we want to help you with your travel plans and that journey. The holiday season means different things to different people. You have Christmas, Kwanzaa, and Hanukkah. All are celebrated during this period. And of course, we're bringing in a new year. Saying goodbye to 2022 and hello to 2023. I'm sure you already have your airline tickets or travel arrangements by now. And if not, well, that's another story because ticket prices are ticking up, up, up. I know I spent more on airline tickets this year than I did last year. But I also think that I waited a little later than I normally do. So that was certainly 
a difference in my airline ticket costs, but not terribly high. But the average ticket price has gone up this holiday season, but the airlines are really ready for us. And that's good news. Airlines have said that they have a boom in hiring, really getting pilots back. And the Thanksgiving holiday did not see the summer of chaos. And so we're hoping that the Christmas and New Year holiday period does not see the likes of that either. So far, so good. (laughs) So let's see how it all pans out. If you're traveling for the holidays, here are some tips to help you do so with ease and less headache. You definitely want to pack light, especially since you're probably with gifts in tow. Some things to consider about your gifts. Do not wrap them. I know you want to think that let's get this all done before we leave, but if you're going through TSA and even in your checked bags, if something isn't right and it picks up on any of the machines, they will go into your luggage and also unwrap your gifts. So it's best not to wrap them at all. Send them ahead. That's a good tip. And you can have them prepackaged or pre-wrapped or just tell the hosts that you're having some things shipped to them and just put in care of and they'll know it's for you and not to open it. Remember the liquids rule? must be three ounces or less, unless, of course, you check them. You can, however, take food on the plane. Be mindful of the weight limit of 50 pounds for your checked bags. If your bag is over 50 pounds, it's typically less expensive to pay for a second bag than to pay for overweight luggage. If you're visiting family, let's talk a little etiquette. Send a pastry basket ahead of your arrival for breakfast on the morning of or the next morning. Maybe ship some wine in or buy wine during your stay. Think of ways to cater to the family you're staying with to make your visit more pleasant. If you're flying in, hopefully you've verified the most convenient airport for them, especially if they're picking you up. And make sure that your arrival and departure time is not too early or during rush hour. No one wants to sit in traffic for long periods of time. So if you can avoid it, please do. And if you can't, maybe you can take the subway or other transportation to meet them halfway or something like that. Now, if you're welcoming family, have their sleeping arrangements already mapped out and ready for them. They'll feel less like they're putting you out if they have to see that whole process of figuring out where they're going to stay. Have towels, washcloths, and toiletries for them and slippers. I usually put together a basket and put it all in there, along with stocking the room or area that they're going to stay in with water, snacks, magazines, and so forth. This will be in reach so that, especially late at night, they don't feel like they have to roam around your house for some of these creature comforts, and ask for their favorite snacks and beverages in advance so that you can have them available to them. Now, if you're staying home for the holidays, here are some things to consider. What local activities can you do to celebrate the holidays? What's open during the holidays? Or what are the holiday hours? Many stores and establishments have reduced and or special holiday hours. In some cases, they're longer. Some cases, they're shorter. Or some days, they may have more closures. Make sure your fridge and pantry are well stocked with as many items, especially this time of the year where things can be out of stock, especially now. Any grocery store can sometimes look a little bare when people are shopping a lot because we're still in this period of a supply demand and issue with distribution. And if you're getting away for or from the holidays, here's where you can go to embrace the holiday and stay in the spirit of things. And if it didn't make your list this year, if you've already had your plans already wrapped up, here's some things you can consider for next year. New York. New York is very festive and one of the best places to visit to enjoy the holidays. There's Rockefeller Center, St. Patrick's Cathedral, decorated storefronts, And if you have a car, Diker Heights neighborhood for those fantastic light displays, very much in competition there. Strasbourg, France. It's the capital of Christmas. I can tell you we did a river cruise in the winter and we went in late November 
and the Christmas markets were open. But Strasbourg is a lovely town. It hosts more than 300 market stalls. Decorations are over the top. You really do feel like you're in a movie. The Cathedral Square has a huge giant tree, and there's great shopping, wonderful food. And one of the traditional food items is the pork shank. You definitely want to give that a try at one of the restaurants. Vienna, Austria is another destination with an old-fashioned type of Christmas, a Viennese Christmas market at City Hall. Of course, there's sweets, drinks, and songs to be had. If you want something a little bit closer, Quebec City is the oldest city in North America. Very European, Festival of Illuminations, authentic German Christmas market. So it's just really a wonderful place, a very quaint town. An old town, Quebec, gives you a lot of that European and old world kind of feel. Right here in Chicago, Chicago has so many wonderful things, very Christmassy. The Christmas lights and decorations go up. The Macy's windows are dressed, which used to be Marshall Fields, but the Macy's windows are dressed. Michigan Avenue, or the Magnificent Mile, is donned with Christmas decorations and lights, very festive. If you come at a certain time, right after Thanksgiving, they have the Festival of Lights. Wonderful restaurants, great theater district, Lots of Christmas plays and activities. The Ribbon Skating Rink, which is a very unique skating rink. So it's not just going round and round. We do have those too. But the Ribbon meanders through Maggie Daly Park. And it is a nice experience. I don't do ice skating myself, but I like to sit and watch as they meander around this ribbon that gives you much more activity as well as scenery. It's just a little bit more fun. Now, what about Christmas markets? If you're looking for places with the best Christmas markets, again, you'll have to bookmark these for next year. So some of the do's and don'ts with Christmas markets, more of don'ts actually. So you don't want to go too early before the first week of December. That's too early because a lot of the Christmas markets don't happen until the first week of December. Remember, Thanksgiving is a U.S. holiday. Canada celebrates as well, but our particular dates are here in the United States, not celebrated in Europe. So the first week of Christmas is when they typically start. And you also don't want to go too late after Christmas. So just before Christmas, they're ending or Christmas Day or the day before. And don't forget the Glühwein. Glühwein is hot mulled wine. Here in Chicago, we have Chris Kendall Mart. And you can get the Glühwein here as well. It's a very German-inspired Christmas market. Don't forget to try local favorites. There are some. I'm going to give you some of those local favorites that are in Germany. But any Christmas market, no matter where you go, will have some local favorites. And a lot of times they are geared toward the German traditions. Don't underdress because you're going to be outside. So make sure you dress in those layers, warm clothes, and good walking shoes. And don't forget the cash. Not all vendors will take credit cards. So you definitely want to make sure you have cash on hand because there will be a lot of small vendors at the market. And I know sometimes small vendors take credit cards too, but it's always a great idea to have cash. And Going back to the glue vine, if you're buying the glue vine, you can get one of the souvenir mugs. Some of them just come in paper cups, but sometimes if you pay a little bit more, you can get one of the traditional souvenir style glue vine mugs that you're enjoying your hot mold wine in. So what to eat at a Christmas market? Curry Verst, which is a sausage with barbecue sauce and curry powder. Sauerbraten, which is a beef stew. Reibekuchen, and that's potato pancakes that are deep fried, served with applesauce, fried mushrooms, and can't forget the potato chips, not potato chips in the bag like we do, but deep fried potatoes, and they're usually spiral cut. You have candied almonds, nougat, marzipan, which is an almond paste, those short crust pastries, and then waffles, crepes, and a dessert dumpling. And in German, it's called Gürmknudel. 
Germ canoodle. <laughs> and you have palm frites with mayonnaise. That's kind of Belgian style. Palm frites, French fries with mayonnaise. So those are some of the traditional German Christmas market treats, but you will find them outside of Germany as well, because a lot of times the markets are modeled after Germany. Now, if you're looking to get away from most things Christmas or holiday related, here are some hot and cold destinations to consider. It doesn't mean that they don't celebrate Christmas, but it'll give you some places where you can go to kind of get away from it. Kauai, or in Hawaii, actually any of the Hawaiian islands are great places to go. But Kauai is one of those places. It's a bit smaller. People don't go there often. I will caution you, though, that it will rain in Kauai 15 days out of the 31 days of December. But certainly if you're looking for something a bit more unique, maybe some hikes, less people, of course, during the Christmas season, going to the national or state parks for some hiking. You can take the helicopter tour to view the Jurassic World from over the Pacific Ocean. There's also the big island of Hawaii. And you have Waikiki, Oahu, and Maui is one of the favorites, but it is amongst the most expensive of the Hawaiian islands. But in Hawaii during this period, starting in November, actually November through March, you have whale watching season because the whales come into warmer waters to give birth. So it's a great time because you see an abundance of whales, but not only that, you see a lot of babies, you see a lot of births. And in Maui, there's Haleakula Mountain. And one of the things to do there is to drive up and get there to see the sunrise. And it's a magnificent view at the top of Haleakula. And if you're brave enough, and if you don't have a queasy stomach, the road to Hana. <laughs> and at the end, you can get a shirt that says, I survived the road to Hana. Now, the road to Hana is like hairpin turns. But it's beautiful scenery along the way, but lots and lots. I forget how many hairpin turns. Another one of my favorite places that's typically hot in the summer and you want a nice time to go, and that is San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, Texas is a lovely town. The first time I went was a couple of years ago to visit a friend who was working there. And the San Antonio Riverwalk is beautiful. It's historic. It's packed with things to do. And visiting in December is great because it's warm weather. I mean, you're still talking about maybe the 70s, but it is very warm, much warmer than if you're here in Chicago and you're dealing with 10 degrees or even colder. But certainly, again, the River Walk, they're shopping in La Velita, their historic homes and missions that you can take in there. Six Flags, Fiesta, Texas, so many great things to do there. If you want to get a bit more exotic, Cape Town, South Africa, the seasons are reversed, so it's the summer there, but it is truly beautiful. Table Mountain, you're right there on the Atlantic Ocean, the v waterfront, the Winelands are beautiful. They have some lovely wines, very affordable in Cape Town as well. Maldives, the Maldives, it's quite far away, but it is truly magical, especially the over-the-water bungalows. So if you really want some peace and quiet and some solitude, you can certainly do that in the Maldives. And then Bali is just an idyllic holiday. Again, tropical all year round. It's a great time to go. You can do some rejuvenation, get some rest, spa treatments healthy eating, great food, all of those things. And then, of course, Dubai. One of the best times to go is our winter because it's not so hot there. And so if you're looking for city life, futuristic life, all of those things, you can certainly check that out. Now, if you're embracing the cold, where do you want to go for some winter weather experiences and activities? St. Moritz in Switzerland. It's a luxury alpine resort town, but great skiing there, but a whole lot more than just skiing. It's the birthplace of alpine tourism. 
It gives the area that old world charm. And then, of course, there's skiing and a lot of amenities that go along with skiing. Beautiful, beautiful destination. Swiss Alps. It's got to be cold, of course. It is winter. Snowy mountains. You can still get Christmas there. I mean, it is Europe, and Europe is very much about Christmas. But beauty as well, winter beauty, the Matterhorn, for example. And certainly if you're into skiing, this is the place where you want to go. Bergen, Norway. And you can maybe stock up on some of those Norwegian sweaters. But the Forge, maybe you can see some northern lights, a beautiful place. And again, you're going to get some Christmas. But, you know, again, if you just want to get away and find some places that have some nice little nooks that you can hide away and maybe see some Christmas, but do it from afar, you can certainly do it there. Now, here in the United States, we have some great places too, like Big Bear Lake in California. It's a small city with a big name, but it's very popular travel destination during the winter because of the Bear Mountain Ski Resort. It's very family-friendly. So again, for snow, for skiing, the lake, And then again, you can find a nice cabin, but they have some great shopping, boutiques and restaurants, but you can find a nice cabin and hide away too. Lake Tahoe is another very pretty place in the United States, in California. It's going to be very low key and laid back. And then there's Yellowstone, the world's first national park is packed every winter season. So if you want to get a head start of that and go in December or uh, around the Christmas holidays, you have Old Faithful, Grand Canyon of Yellowstone. You can even ski or snowshoe, lots of winter sports, but also some beautiful landscape as well. And then you have Banff, Canada, again, here in North America. There's Banff National Park, and it's home to Lake Louise and Alpine Lake. So again, you can find a nice hideaway. They have hot springs, skiing, and, you know, the cleanest and crispest mountain air. Heading back over to Europe, Prague, you're looking at temperatures that are going to be like 32 to 40. So not extremely cold, but, you know, still a winter destination. And I really did love Prague. You will find some Christmas markets. So it is a great place to do that as well. But You know, again, it's really just a nice destination. Art Nouveau, gilded interiors, underground bars, and nice shopping and restaurants, very quaint places. So again, if you just want to kind of tuck away, that's something that you can do there. And the most winter destination is the Arctic Circle. Yeah, you're talking about below freezing temperatures here. But what better time to visit the North Pole than December? right? I mean, that's the iconic place. (laughs) But sleigh rides pulled by reindeer or huskies, frozen landscapes of the Arctic Circle. I haven't done it, but I would really like to do it. Although my other half doesn't want to go anywhere cold. (laughs) He always wants to go somewhere warm. And I'm sure there are many of you there in that same headspace. But I would just like to experience it once. Maybe not stay there forever, but, you know, just experience it once for a few days. Maybe do a sleigh ride being pulled by reindeer or huskies. I would love to see those frozen landscapes in person. I've seen them in magazines, I've seen them on videos, and it is absolutely beautiful. And it's also a place where you can see northern lights. So I would really, really, really love to do that. So there you have it. Hopefully, there's some tips and destinations that, again, if you already have your plans for this year and you're not looking for any last-minute getaways, but you are interested in some of these places, you can certainly mark your calendars and start doing your research for traveling next year for your December travels. Now, when I come back, I'll have the culture report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. 
Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro. The website, TravelingCulturati.com. Go ahead and check it out. And while you're there, follow us on social media and join that travel club. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born of the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. Well, as the year is winding down and we're ringing in a new year, let's talk about some of the things that happen and the traditions around the world for New Year. How do we bring in the new year? Well, let's first talk about where New Year first occurs. The Line Islands, which are part of Kiribati and Tonga in the Pacific Ocean. These are the very first places to welcome the new year. While American Samoa, Baker Island, and Howland Island, part of the United States, minor outlying islands are amongst the last. So when it's midnight on New Year's Day in Kiribati, it's only 9 p.m. in Sydney, Australia. In London, England, it's only 10 a.m. on the 31st. So they would still have to wait 14 more hours. In the United States, it's 5 a.m. In New York, 4 a.m. in Chicago. And in the middle, it's 2 a.m. in Los Angeles on December 31st. South America. If you're in South America, it's only 7 a.m. in Rio de Janeiro and only 4 a.m. in Belize City when it is midnight in Kiribati. Now, let's talk about Africa. When it's midnight on New Year's Day in Kiribati, it's only 11 a.m., for example, in Lagos, Nigeria, which is the day before. In Cairo, Egypt, it's noon on New Year's Eve. And in Asia, it would be 6 p.m. in Shanghai, China, when it's midnight on January 1st in Kiribati. In Karachi, Pakistan, it would be 3 p.m. And in Tokyo, Japan, it would be 7 p.m. So again, the new year is first brought in to Kiribati. And last to say Happy New Year is Howland Island. American Samoa, Baker Island, Howland Island, all part of the United States, minor outlying islands. They're the last to say Happy New Year. So let's talk about some traditions. What are some of the traditions around the globe, how people bring in the new year? Well, let's first start with Kiribati. We have to give them some honor since they are the first ones that bring in the new year. There's not a whole lot of public information about how they celebrate New Year's Eve. However, they do have their share of celebrations happening in local bars and guest houses. People gather at public meeting places, which have the same shape as American Park pavilions, but with roofs made of coconut wood. And the weather is quite nice. It's in the upper 70s till the mid 80s during that time of year. And another little fact about Kiribati, in case you're wondering, it's also known as Christmas Island. It was named that when British explorer James Cook arrived here on Christmas Day in 1777. And it consists of 32 coral atolls which are land formations comprised of reef rings around lagoons. Some of the other traditions around the globe, we all know here in the United States, it's New York. New York is kind of the epicenter and that iconic representation of bringing in the new year. And that is to watch the ball drop. Millions of Americans, of course, gather. And if you're not in Times Square yourself, you're tuned in to the celebrations of Times Square on television, and we watch the ball drop. Now, of course, across the United States, there are different types of celebrations. I remember one year in Washington, D.C., we were going to lower the stamp. We actually did that for a few years. I think Marion Barry was in office at the time. I don't think that stayed around. Even here in Chicago, there was an attempt to have a New York-style-ish kind of celebration. And I can't even remember what we were going to have drop, but there was going to be a countdown and to close off Wacker Avenue. It didn't go over so well. There were a lot of rules and restrictions and all of that. And I think before it took hold, COVID came about. And so it hasn't been tried again. So yeah, it is New York. And it kicked off in 1907 in January 1908. 
was bringing in the new year from December 31 to January 1. New York Times owner Adolf Ox created the event to draw attention to the Times Square, the Times new headquarters, and it's been an annual event ever since, New Year's Eve celebration. Now, Brazil, if you're heading to the beach, that's what they do. People usually go to the beach since it's the summer there. Immediately after midnight, you're supposed to jump seven waves while making seven wishes. This is according to a Brazilian photographer. The tradition is rooted in paying homage to Yemanja, the goddess of water. So before you get in the water, you're supposed to wear all white as it symbolizes purity. And in Spain, there's the eating of 12 grapes. The Spanish start off their new year by eating 12 grapes, which symbolize each strike of the clock. So the tradition of Los Doce started in the late 19th century and is believed to ward off evil while boosting your chances of a prosperous and lucky new year. However, this will work only if you manage to eat all 12 of the grapes in a matter of seconds since they need to be gone by the time the clock finishes striking midnight. And then in India, there's a building of a sculpture of an old man and then burning it down. So back in Bombay, they'd make an effigy of an old man that symbolized the old year and then burn it at midnight. The burning symbolizes the passing of grievances from the old year and makes space for a new year to be born. Everyone would gather around singing Old Angzine, and then it would turn into a little party. Bombay is very cosmopolitan and was the home of people of various faiths. Therefore, there would be a ton of different festivals, but this one united across ages and of faiths. In Japan, they eat soba noodles. People in Japan kick off the new year by eating a warm bowl of soba noodles. The tradition dates back to the Kamakura period and is tied into a Buddhist temple, giving out the noodles to the poor. Now, because the long, thin noodles are firm, but easy to bite, I guess al dente or what the Italians say to the tooth, it is believed eating them symbolizes a literal breakaway from the old year. And in France, my favorite, feasting with champagne. (laughs) There's always a reason to drink champagne, but certainly feasting with champagne, while the notion of drinking wine in France is, of course, not groundbreaking. (laughs) The French up the ante and go all out on champagne to celebrate the new year. There's usually plenty of dancing and party hopping. The food choices, however, remain the same. Sparkling wine paired with oysters, turkey, goose, or a Cornish hen. But always with champagne, yes. Now, what do they do in Haiti? January 1 is actually Haitian Independence Day. They eat pumpkin soup because it was a delicacy that even that enslaved black people were not allowed to have. And they often go to other people's houses and bring some of their soup and swap for some of theirs, and everyone makes it a little different. In Denmark, they throw old plates. Yeah, throwing old plates at your friends usually signals a conversation gone wrong. And in Denmark, New Year's Eve traditions like this brings loved ones good luck. Tradition has it that the more broken kitchenware you accumulate on your doorstep, the better off you'll be. In Canada, you go ice fishing. Freezing temperatures, yes, and I've seen the ice fishing here in Chicago, still wouldn't be able to do it. But according to Global News, families will rent heated huts and cooking equipment so they can enjoy their feasts with loved ones on the spot. And in the Philippines, they serve 12 rounds of fruit. On New Year's Eve, families in the Philippines make sure to serve 12 round fruits, like apples, grapes, and plums which are believed to represent prosperity due to their shape, which mirrors coins. And as for the lucky number, each fruit represents one month out of the year. In Mexico is the giving of homemade tamales. 
Mexican families gather to make New Year's Eve food, specifically tamales, which are corn dough stuffed with meat, cheese, and veggies all wrapped in husks. In Greece, it's hanging an onion outside your door. Not only are onions a kitchen staple, they can also bring you good luck for the new year. In Greece, it's tradition to hang an onion outside your door, and it's believed to symbolize fertility and growth. So thanks to its ability to sprout on its own, the onion is hung on the door after church service on New Year's Day. In Ireland, they bang bread against the walls. To ward off evil spirits, families in Ireland make way for a healthy and prosperous new year by hanging loaves of Christmas bread against the walls and the doors throughout the homes. (laughs) And in Norway, celebrating with a towering cake. Krensakake is a traditional ringed cake, often made with at least 18 layers. It's eaten in both Denmark and Norway on New Year's Eve. The layers, which look like cookies, are held together with a royal icing. Well, however you celebrate this year, For the holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, and certainly bringing in the new year, I want to wish you a happy holiday and a very prosperous new year. Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit travelingculturati.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen.